Hi, this is Kevin Nixon, concert and music photographer, and you're listening to Rock at Night. Okay, Kevin, welcome to Rocket Night. <laughs> uh, concert photography. You're a concert photographer. Uh, what magazines or who do you usually shoot for? Uh, my main clients at the moment are magazines owned by a publishing company called Future Publishing, and the main ones are Classic Rock Magazine, Metal Hammer Magazine, and Prog Rock Magazine. And various specials they do in between, uh, like blues magazines. But those are the three main magazines that I'm working for at the moment. Now, how long have you been in uh, concert photography? I've been a professional photographer for 28 years now. And concert photography, not the whole of that time, possibly 15 years, something like that, 12, 15 years, something like that. So was photography a hobby that just kind of worked into a profession? How, how did this all evolve? Um, I used to be an architect in a previous life, many, many, many years ago. And I went to live in New York in 1987, came back to the UK in 1981. Uh, couldn't get back into architecture because it had all gone digital and, and CAD. So I thought I would, naively thought I would try photography and I bought a professional camera and I went out and sold myself as a photographer. I went the sort of self-taught route, I didn't do any studying, I didn't assist anyone, I just kind of made it up and that was 27 years ago. So I got something right, a lot of things wrong, but I got something right and uh, here I am, still doing it now. So when you started photography, you used film, correct? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 35 mil uh, for portraits and things, but mainly it was medium format, and I had everything from uh, Pentax 6.7, Mamiya, RZ. Those were the two main cameras that I used back in the day. Mm -hmm. Now, when you use film, did you do concert photography back then or with film too? Very little. It was just at the crossover point when it, when it started. So um, I know a lot of the guys, that's all they ever shot. So no, I, I can't profess to sort of starting out completely with uh, with film. I was kind of lucky in that respect that I started, or most of my work was done with the digital, uh, when it crossed over to digital, which does make it easier, as we all know. Now, when you got into concert photography, I mean, how did that come about? I mean, how did you get involved with the whole rock and roll scene? I was working uh, as a studio photographer uh, I've always done editorial work, but the magazines that I was working for uh, got bought out by another company that actually owned these music titles. And just by being a full-time employee of the publishing company, it was by pure chance that I got a chance to shoot for the music magazines by the nature of the fact that I was working for the publishing company. So it was very, very fortuitous. And 
it wasn't really, if I'm being absolutely honest, an intention of mine. It was just lucky that the opportunity came up and I embraced it when, when it arose. Now, back in those days, uh, how did it work? Did you have to get a photo pass from, a, from the media? Or how the heck did people get into venues and do this? Back, back when I started, it, the magazines would contact the, uh, the bands. They would contact the, promotion, uh, the promoters. They would say, we want to get our photographer in to do a review piece or to do a portrait of the band. So I was, again, I was very, very lucky that it was, it was the magazine that obviously had lots and lots of contacts that would contact the band or the band's management and simply say, we have our photographer, Kevin, he's going to come along to shoot the gig or to shoot portraits of the band. So I, I was very fortunate. I mean, subsequently, I've developed my own contacts, and if I need to shoot a band for other purposes, then I will do that myself. But when working for the magazines, it makes it so much easier that they have contacts, and they will get you the, the permission to go to get into the gig. Now, through the years, the whole field has changed a lot. Uh, what are some of the changes that you've seen in concert photography from a professional standpoint? I think... The main changes are, a couple of changes, um, everybody's a photographer now, particularly a music photographer. We're all music photographers. We've all got good cameras and even smartphones now with appropriate lighting, you'll grab a decent shot. So when I started out, um, there was a lot less photographers in the pit, but now everybody wants to have a go at it. And that's great. You know, the more competition, the better. But because everybody's got a decent camera now, it has made it easier. Um, but the downside of that is that everybody wants to, to do it now. So there's a lot, lot more people chasing a lot less work than what there was 10, 15 years ago. So that basically has lowered the pay too, hasn't it? Or yes, the it Yeah, I, and I guess in most of your responses, most of my responses to your question will be based upon the London scene, which is the music scene, which is all I know, so just to make that point. But yeah, um, for example, the, the magazines that I work for, the, the rate has not changed in 10 years. It's the same rate in 10 years. Um, and the, the downside of it all is that everybody now is prepared to work for free. Now, I'm not a miserable curmudgeon photographer, I think that's what <laughs> If you want to shoot a band and, and you've got a day job and you can do that in the evening, then, then go for it. But I'm in a position that it is my full-time job. So what it has actually meant, meant is that I, my capacity to earn money from music photography has considerably lessened with the advent of everybody else shooting and more than happy to give their pictures away for free. And that is the main sort of sticking point amongst the pros and the non-pros. Again, I can only reiterate, everybody should have a go at it, and everybody's entitled to have the same status in the pit. I, I would emphasize that. But I, I, that's how I pay my bills. A lot, I would say probably 85% of the photographers in London have day jobs, and they shoot gigs in the evening and produce some fabulous results, like really, really good stuff. But it's a hobby. It's a glorified hobby, um, again, which is fine. But the currency, the new currency that's developed in 10 years is not dollars or euros or pounds, it's likes. That's all people want now, and that's the new currency. Now, I've been doing this a few years, I really don't need any more likes. I don't need, I need money, I need to pay my mortgage, I need to pay my bills. So, um, and I hear it all the time that somebody will give, will, will give a band, an established band, a photograph that they're using on their Instagram account or, or on their Facebook account, 
And guess what? It's got 300 likes. So you gave it away? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's got 300 likes. And what will you achieve by that? And they'll achieve absolutely nothing other than they can tell their friends that they've got 300 likes. So the, the net effect is that by doing that, it's utterly devaluing what the rest of us are doing. I understand why they do it, but the net effect is that it devalues what we do um, to make a living. And uh, what more people are interested in now is, is immediacy. Yes. Because magazines are on the decline, they're, 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 they're less and less and less. Each year goes by and magazines are closing down. It's all about Facebook, it's all about social media, and it's all about immediacy. So the net effect is a dilution of quality because we don't see a photograph over two pages in a magazine where you can look at the quality. It's now this big on your phone or on your computer. So it can be a little bit blurry. It can be a little bit soft. We don't really care. It, it's, on, it's online instantly, whereas I'm a little bit more traditional. I will take my images away. I will select them. I will retouch them. And I will send them to the magazine because they're going to be printed where quality Certainly for the magazines that I work for, they, they, they still hold that um, in high esteem. But generally speaking, there's been a, a terrible dilution of quality um, because if you're not getting paid for it, why would you care about the quality? If you're getting likes for it and, and it's, getting in, it's getting you into the pit to shoot your favourite band, why not? Frustrating for me, but I understand why people will do that. I totally get what you're saying. I notice uh, even here in the United States, uh, what you would call new, real newspapers. They don't even have photographers anymore. They have a journalist go into the pit with a tiny little Nikon Coolpix, and the standard has been lowered. I mean, people are almost getting used to seeing blurred photos, really substandard photos. And that's considered to be acceptable, which I feel is unacceptable as a professional. I'm sure that's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it, it becomes the norm. That, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, uh, the, the bar is set so low. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely, that's the case. It, a scenario occurred on a, a Midlands photographer who I know quite well. He posted on Facebook his uh, statement, his monthly statement from one of the agencies. I don't know which one. And he had sold certain pictures for online use for one penny. Uh, he gets half of that. And one, so half a pence, which I don't think even exists as a coin over here now. So, <laughs> so time and time again, I hear from the photographers who are going to the gigs and doing to the Getty and Rex and the various agencies that we have over here, and they don't cover their transport. They do not simply cover their transport, but they enjoy shooting. Uh, they're prepared to do it for that price. They've got their day job, so they're earning their 50000 a year to pay their bills. But for the rest of us who are trying to make a livelihood doing that, it just becomes more and more and more difficult. So um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a source of frustration, shall we say. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed on the Internet there's a lot of websites and different programs and stuff that uh, are trying to sell the dream because you're living the dream essentially by photographing rock stars but in reality it can't really be a career can it I mean how many people could tour with the Rolling Stones or tour I mean what do you think about that I think in again related to London there are a handful of us that make our livings from music photography a handful uh, there's a lot of professional photographers, but including myself now, I'm, I have to branch out. 
I have to do anything. I'm a photographer. I enjoy music, and that still represents most of my income and my clients. But it's it's getting less. It's a downward spiral. So in recent years, yeah, I'll photograph anything from architecture, from portraits, from PR events, and I will do weddings. And I think that's what most of the other photographers are doing. And the pros, the music pros, are doing more and more red carpet stuff now. Um, and the stuff that will make the money is not a great shot of a band. It's, excuse the expression, it's kind of an upskirt shot of somebody getting out of a taxi. <laughs> that's what people will pay for that. That's the, 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 the trash tabloids that we have over here. That's what they're looking for now. What's interesting is uh, over here in the United States, if you go to a bookstore, you'll see maybe uh, Rolling Stone magazine, maybe Alternative Press, but we don't have hard copy paper magazines anymore. Most of the magazines come from the UK. So it's even more competitive over here. Mm. Uh, And a lot of our newspapers have gone under. I don't know about in the UK too. Are your newspapers going under and everything's going online? Yeah, it's mainly going online. Uh, music magazines, there, there are still some left that, 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 are, that are still going. But we had a very, very famous uh, music magazine, it's a New Musical was it NME, New Musical Express, established for, for many, many, for, for decades. And in the last couple of years, that became a free handout to the tube station. So it's just got a couple of adverts in it, and it's just tap now. So what you know that that did employ a lot of photographers. So we have magazines, music magazines. They are getting thinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are uh, commissioning less work and using more kind of press shots. <coughs> but we are lucky that we still have some, and I'm lucky that I've got contacts with some of them. That fingers crossed, they are still going at the moment. Do you? I don't know if you've done this before. Have you ever traveled or toured with a band? Because that seems to be the dream that's being sold yeah. to concert photographers. I have small scale. I've, I've done a couple of that, that kind of thing, and I always paid a reasonable day rate for it. But bizarrely enough, on on Facebook tonight, there's a there's a music a concert photographers thing around the world. I don't know if you're part of it yourself. Mm-hmm. And there was a thread about doing exactly that about touring with bands, and essentially the. Uh, the point everyone's making is that they do it for free. Uh, so even touring bands now, some bands, not all bands, but even touring bands now, it's it's nepotism rules, and it tends to be who you know, where you know, and if you're friends with a drummer or somebody in the band, then you'll you'll get on the tour. But I think I mean there's a couple of people I know in London who have been quite successful at that. But I think the day of going of, of a, a band taking a photographer on tour with them for three months, that's kind of on the way out now, I think. Maybe the super high-end bands will will do that, but regular bands now, they rely on the goodwill and, and charity of their fans. That tends to be the case now. Now, to stay competitive, too, you have to have good camera equipment, correct? And that's yes. pretty expensive. It is. I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't want to get all nerdy and techy, but I mean, yeah. I replaced my camera. Just well, replaced it. I added, added it, and that was in dollars. It would have been seven and a half thousand dollars just for a camera body. To get a, you know, you have most music photographers like kind of three or four prime lenses or prime zoom lenses, and in my camera bag, if I ever go to festival, there's upwards of twenty twenty thousand pounds. Which is you know, nearly twenty twenty seven thousand dollars just in my camera bag. Then you have all your studio lights, you have all the, the sundry equipment and everything else, your computers. So you, you do have to acquire a, a lot of expensive kits. 
So what's wrong with this picture? To be a concert photographer, you have to have thousands of dollars worth of equipment. You mm -hmm. don't get paid. Yep. They don't pay for travel. No. And it's basically a hobby. It's turning into that. Yes. I mean, something's wrong with this picture. It's gone very, very wrong. It's gone very, very wrong. Um, but it is a hobby. As I say, most of the people in London I know do it have expensive, good, well-paid day jobs. So this is their little hobby. Uh, they can go out and they can afford to take a loss on it. They can buy their expensive cameras, but it's a hobby and they see their name in lights and they get those wonderful likes that they desire so much. So they can put it on Facebook, they can put it on Instagram, here's me photographing this band or that band or the other bands, which is lovely, very nice. You know, I understand why people want to do that. Of course I do. We all love music and we all love our bands. So, you know, yeah, I love shooting bands that, I, that I'm fond of myself. Of course I do. But ultimately, I, I'd rather shoot a band that I'm getting paid for yeah. uh, than, than anything else. So. so it's turning into kind of a narcissistic thing where I have 50,000 likes which yeah. makes me better than the next person. Yeah. And people are working for social media likes, which is pretty pathetic. <laughs> it's, it's the case, yeah. but I think with, with websites, it's a given now. It's an absolute given that nobody, I mean, websites do a great job. You know, you do a great job, everybody does a great job, and, and it's fantastic, and you spread the word, which is lovely. And there simply is not any money in websites. And I know there's lots and lots of websites over here and they do take advantage occasionally of people's goodwill because they, they don't get expenses, they get nothing. They're expected to turn up at the drop of a hat, but uh, websites will not pay. But now that precedent has been established, it's going to be impossible for any of us to go back and say, hang on a minute, let's kind of group together and say, if it's just to cover expenses, if it's just to cover your, your travel. It's not going to happen now. So who is making the money? Is it the labels? Is it the bands? Is it, is it the manager? What do you think? Somebody's been making money. Um, I think, I mean, touring is the way to go now. I, I think back in the day, you'd buy CDs. I go to gigs now, and invariably, quite often, you get given a CD as you go in. Right. CDs are so cheap to produce, and I think bands make their money now on merchandise and touring. And that's why the bands are going on perpetual round-the-world tours. They all sell a sweat, a sweat hoodie, whatever you call it, or a T-shirt, for $40, $45, $50. Yeah. That's probably cost them $3 or $5 from some sweatshop in China. Um, so that's where the money is. So touring uh, is, yeah, there's money to be made in that. But I, I would argue that all bands need, need photography, some bands more than others, but they something's got lost along the way about photography having an intrinsic monetary value because why would why would somebody pay me x hundred pounds to shoot a gig if there's 50 people behind me with good cameras and a good eye and, and why would they pay me when you've got 50 people who are prepared to do it for free like if i was you know if i was a uh, in a band or if i was a manager I, I would say well you know x y and z are great photographers but they're okay that you know and with like i said previously with good lighting it's, you know, it's not rocket science what we do. You know, we're having an eye and everything. It's, it's not. I'm not going to say there's any mystique about it. There's not. You know, you've got an eye and you know how your camera works and, and you you get the shots. So, you know, we'll, you're going to pick and there'll be 10, 15, 20, 30 people. We're all getting the same shots. And with modern cameras, in any one gig, three songs, you might shoot 50 songs, you might shoot 500 songs. So you, in any one gig, you could come out and there's several thousand images taken of the band. 
So there's so many out there in circulation. How can I go to somebody and say, my picture's worth $300 when there's thousands more that people are going to give them away? So that's really, that makes it difficult. And what's even worse, in a sense, even mediocre pictures can, may, can be made to look better with uh, Lightroom and different software well, programs. Basic, a basic knowledge of Lightroom, yeah, and you can, you can do that. The other frustrating thing is that we get our three songs, sometimes two, sometimes one, sometimes from the mixer, but they're very stringent about, we'll kick out, we've thrown out the venue after three songs invariably, but then you've got the first two rows of the auditorium, yes. all with iPhones, all with, as you mentioned previously, good quality point-and-shoot cameras, and then invariably the lights come up. So if you, my job is to make a rock star look like a rock star. It's not to embarrass them, it's not to make them look crap, it's to make them look stunning, it's to make them look powerful, energetic, dynamic. That's what my magazine wants. You know, they don't want a picture of Ozzy Osbourne falling over, they want Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> like, a, like a rock. And that's what I would give them. But work with us, you know, and I had this conversation with bands, all kinds of people. Lots of times the bands are not really aware what's going on. It tends to come from the management. There's three songs, no flash rule. There's so many apocryphal stories of where it came and which artist it started. I don't know. I don't know what the truth is about that. All I know, it's always been in play since I started doing this. But occasionally, Alice Cooper, God bless his heart, he'll give us four songs. Sometimes <laughs> the show. Sometimes the show. And a couple of other artists do work with us. But other artists, it's one song from the mixing desk. So even with a 400mm lens, it's going to look not great. I've, I've known artists have the first 30 seconds of one song, and then you're thrown out. So we're the people there to make them look good, and they don't seem to understand that. And plus, we, we sign contracts, too. Absolutely. And, no, we have, and, and we really sometimes don't even own our own artistic work. Same here. Same here. And I don't know if it's, I assume it's the same in the States. We have this kind of the damned infernal rights grub where okay. bands now are saying that every picture you take at our concert, we essentially own the photographs, we own the images forever, and we can do what we choose with them. Yeah. And people sign it. And thankfully, my magazines do have a bit of integrity, and they won't sign that. I, I, I mentioned a story, uh, we have a festival called Bloodstock, which is a metal, rock or heavy metal festival. And mm -hmm. um, I'll not name the band, but one of the bands had a, well, Will, yeah, it was Megadeth. They had the most ridiculous concert that, that contract in place. It was laughable. It was laughable. <laughs> Complete rights grab. Uh, so I said, no, let's not sign this. Why would, we, why would we sign this? And everybody to my face agreed that we will not sign this. The minute my back was turned, off they were doing it, signing the contract. Simply so they could say they shot Megadeth. And as much as, they, as fun as they are to shoe, if we'd have all stood by that, they would have changed the contract, which I hear in other countries. I think Sweden's one in particular where the photographers do stick together and they say, no, this is ridiculous. This is affecting our livelihoods. But in the UK, <laughs> no, no, there's no unity whatsoever because people want to get those likes. I hate to say it's like that here in the United States, it's too. It's, yeah. it's, it's all about uh, bucket lists, notches yeah. on your belt. And yeah. there is no loyalty because... It, like you said, you might have convictions and will say, no, I don't want to sell my soul to the devil, but the person behind you is a whore. <laughs> and, exactly and, and we'll take the picture for free. <laughs> yeah. no, it's exactly the same. Yeah. And how, do you, how do you combat that? How do you deal with that? You can't. Uh, it's, it's human nature. 
it's, it's gotten to be so bad in this whole selfie, self-indulgent society. I mean, what can you do? I think, thankfully, there aren't a lot of the pros here do have some dignity, and a lot of the pros would say, no, screw that, I'm not signing that. Mm-hmm. But it's the hobbyists, and I, that's not meant to be said in a patronising way, but it's people who don't do it professionally, by exactly. nature, they're hobbyists. Who, exactly. Why would they care about whether I can pay my bills? Why would they? And I understand that. I completely get that. Um, if they, as you say, if they want to tick their bucket list off, they're going to do it. And good luck to them. Nothing I say or do or anybody else says or does will change their attitude about that. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate, but as you said, it, quite rightly, it's human nature. So it, it is what it is. Now, now, let me ask a couple other questions. What equipment do you favor? Are you an icon person or a Canon person? Do you want me to be a technical geek for yeah. 30 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I've always been an icon man. Because we I, talked I, about the dark side. So. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, uh, not, I have to say, it's, it's a, the tool. I use Nikon, and the reason I use Nikon, very, very simply, well, two reasons. I've always used Nikon since I was 13 years old, and I still think Nikon has the edge over Canon in low light. That's it. Uh, maybe the next new variation of Canon cameras, they will take over Nikon in low light, but I think currently, with the D4, the D5, that's the champion of low light uh, photography. And most of the gigs I do have very little lighting. So if that gives me an extra couple of two, two stops, then it's an advantage. So um, and shooting-wise, uh, 10 to be three lenses, prime zooms, 12, 24, 24, 70, and 70 to 200. And I've got a longer zoom for mix of desks and fisheye on special effects. Okay. Um, now... Another interesting question I was wondering, and I don't know if you can be honest about this, but I'm sure you've met a lot of different bands. Who were the mm-hmm. nicest people and who were the the dicks? <laughs> I do get asked this an awful lot. Um, yeah. And it's a rubbish answer, unfortunately, because everybody I've met has been lovely. Okay. Really, you know, I, I, I'm not a fanboy. I, you know, I, I am not a muso per se. I think if you go into a shoot with anybody, you treat them with respect and you treat them courteously. Most most musicians don't want to be your friend. They've, they've been shot a thousand times. They want to get in and get out. And I tend to work very quickly. By force, I've had to work very, very quickly. So, um, yeah, the sooner you can get it, they will love you more. The sooner you can say, right, that's it. They're very happy. And my, my, I guess my favourite story is... Uh, uh, I had a shoot with uh, Gene Simmons, and I was promised half an hour with him in the studio. And I got my background set up and lights, and was all very excited. Uh, in what Gene, with his uh, his coterie, his, his followers, his hangers on, and his hangers or hangers on. And uh, when I eventually got to my turn to shoot him, the, his people stopped the shoot after 20 seconds. Wow. 20 seconds. When I actually got to do the portraits of him, 20 seconds. And uh, I got about 12 frames off, of which five were usable, so I got it. But, you know, it, that was a tricky one. And I've, I've had shots with the people, you know, somebody, uh, Rob Zombie, I did a portrait with him, and his people, his management, had a stopwatch at the side of the shoot. This was a studio. I said, you know, 120 seconds. So there wasn't a great deal of time for small talk. And uh, so I got, you know, you get the shot, but uh, that's the nature of it with these people. It's quick in and out. But people generally are just 
very nice. People are just, you know, I've never met anybody who's been an arse, to be absolutely honest. Uh, I mean, some of the younger bands, I've shot band portraits where they've been very drunk and they, you know, that gets a bit tiresome. But, you know, hey, rock and roll, have a drink, go for it. But uh, on the whole, certainly with classic rock and, and, and prog rock, a lot of the bands are just very grateful to get coverage. And possibly, and I hate name dropping, but we're talking about the subject. But yeah, yeah. The, nicest, the nicest chap I, I, I did a, a portrait to do with Billy Idol a couple of years ago. He'd been doing it all day. He'd been doing PR all day. And it was my turn at four o'clock. And we had to go down King's Road in London. And, and it, it, traffic was busy. And I was like, Billy, you must be so fed up with this. And I'll be as quick as I can. And he said, a comment to the effect that he said, the only time I'll be upset is when they stop asking me to do this. And he was courteous, he was polite, he was top drawer, a lovely, lovely fella. And I thought, yeah, you know, he's right. He got a lovely double face spread in Classic Rock magazine, got some nice pictures, and a lovely man. But yeah, it, it's it's part of the game. And um, a lot of people don't like being photographed, but they know it's, it's part of the game. So, uh, yeah, they get on with it. Wow, it's nice to get a little respect there because sometimes they think we're like paparazzis or something, you know? I think yeah, that can happen, but I, it's, yeah, I mean, that's not my thing. I've never done that and I never would do that. But it, it, I think the magazines that I work for do have kudos in this country. It's not, a, you know, I mean, and that's not being disrespectful to the websites, but it's an established magazine that's been going for donkey's years. So it's in their interest, you know, to get a feature in Metal Armor or Classic Rock. Uh, it will do them no harm. So they tend to be more kind of comfortable and, and up for it to do that kind of thing. So no, everybody's lovely. You know, everybody's really nice, I think. Uh, one thing that photographers always dream about is all access, going behind the stage mm. and this and that. Do you ever get that opportunity? Yes, yeah, I do occasionally. Um, <laughs> it's not quite as much in data. <laughs> Uh, we all got uh, images from the 70s of backst uh, backstage shenanigans, yeah. and uh, suffice to say, I've never seen it. <laughs> never, 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 never. And again, another funny story, uh, I was backstage with uh, uh, a band, it doesn't matter who they are, and um, their pre-gig pre ritual was to kneel down and pray. So, uh, it, again, it wasn't what I was expecting for, but that's their prerogative and lovely people, super lovely people. So, uh, no, it's, I think that kind of the sex and drugs and rock and roll, I'm sure it happens behind closed doors, no doubt, but with the advent of, of iPhones and everything's recordable now, I think a lot of the bands are a little bit more careful and a bit more judicious about uh, what they do in public now. So, no, I've heard some wonderfully sordid stories, but I, I, I have nothing to add. I've not seen anything. So. I guess it's the whole mystique of, like, the 60s, you know, going behind stage and seeing the Who or, you know, the whole groupy thing and all yeah. this mystique. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard the stories, but I think most of the guys that were doing that are too old to even do anything now, to be honest. So yeah. whether the younger guys have taken over the mantle, but... The classic legends of the, of the 70s and 60s and 80s, I think they're all probably knocking on a little bit now. So, uh, but no, I, you, you know, drugs-wise, yeah, it goes on, but it's not, it's never open. Not not really, you know, not like it would have been, I guess. So any any thoughts in closing on the future of concert photography, or what do you I think is going to happen to it? I think, uh, it's a very good question, um, I think in two to three years' time, I think there will be a gradual merging of the video and the stills. Um, 
two two disciplines, if you like. I think the quality of cameras is going to increase to such an extent that you'll be able to take snippets of video and you'll be able to stop it at any point and get an image that's, in fact, I think you can do that now, but certainly resolution high enough, certainly for web use, that's probably there now, and maybe two or three years' time, it will be, you'll be able to get, to stop it at any point and then get a still that you can print. So I think the discipline, the two disciplines are going to come together. I think the blogging aspect of it is increasing, and the last couple of festivals I did last year, we have our photographer tables and we're shrinking. Older guys, all miserable curmudgeons, just shrinking and getting smaller. And it's, yeah, it's lovely, you know, and they've all got their iPhones and they're blogging and doing all this thing that I don't particularly, it's not for me, but uh, uh, yeah, you go in a pit now, I'm sure you've witnessed it yourself, people with the iPhones just blogging as, as the gig's actually on. And, you know, that's, a, that's a, a thing, I respect that. You know, we all try and avoid each other and we all try and respect each other what, what we, whilst we're doing our job in the pit. And that's the negative side of that, is that I'm a bit old school, there's a way to behave, you know, one, I think you should be courteous primarily to the audience, they pay for it, that's a big thing for me, and I would never ever consciously block an audience member, and I would explain beforehand, but some of the people who come in, have, they've not been told, so they're waving their cameras in the air, they're waving their iPhones, they're getting in the way, and that's a little bit frustrating, but, uh, but again, I think... You can be polite about it. You can say to people, you know, it, when I started, nobody really told me what to do. You, you kind of watch other people. Right. But I think if somebody's going to be courteous, which I have done, I'll quite often speak to people, and I know lots and lots of photographers, and just explain, this is what's expected. And if you're going to hold your camera up in there all the time, you're going to get a lens on the back of your head, and you're going to get, you know, <laughs> words said. So just respect each other's space, respect what we all do. And we all have equal parity. Or maintain that whether you're blogging or whether you're the tour photographer or the videographer or shooting for classic rock we're all there doing a job together nobody's job is more important than anybody else's just respect each other's positions in the pit and, and look around and you learn that and it's like anything else you learn you learn your trade and you learn how to to get the best results by not pissing everybody else off you're listening to rock at night